0: It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump.
1: Three that's yeah.
0: Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yards, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now, here's your host, Brett Rump.
1: The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are in-
0: I'm I'm Yeah, well, you're half right. Well, this is amateur This hour. is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our
1: fine show. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Well, that boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Y'all ready for this? Thank God it's Friday. Oh, it's Friday, Friday. Gotta
2: get down on Friday. That's right, it's Friday. Welcome to the second hour as we take you home from 5 to 6 here on the Sports Rush. Adam Lundy is in the producer's chair. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith, sitting in for Mr. Brett Rump, who is in Cleveland, Ohio, awaiting to call the Purdue-Fort Wayne versus Cleveland State game tonight, 645. You can find that on 1380thefan.com, stream only. Because on 1380 Radio, we will be having the Homestead Spartans at my alma mater, Northrop Bruins, both boys and girls. Caleb Hunt will make that call tonight. And then after that, the uh, the post-game show at the Pine Valley Pizza Hut with Michael McIntyre and Eric Duke, Dukevich, who we will hear from a little bit later on this hour, as well as... The radio voice of the Boilers, Mr. Rob Blackman, will join us and give us his insight to Purdue's big 75-70 win last night that put the number one Boilers at 9-1 and one in the Big Ten. Big three-game set for the Comets, Adam. We were talking a little bit about this before we came back from break. Big three-game series with the Iowa Heartlanders. The Heartlanders are last in the division, only won seven games. I think they're seven of twenty on the year. This is a this to me is a three game stretch that the Comets can really uh, make up some ground here because they're going to face some opponents here in the month of February outside out of the division. They go to Allen for a three game set, Then they head to Savannah, Georgia, for another little mini-series and finish up in South Carolina all here in the next month. Um, big time for them to uh, get some get some points. Got a little updating on the lineup with the Condors sending down a few players and then, of course, uh, making some transactions that, uh, in some respects, were out of the Comets' hands because they shipped Philip Ingress to the Utica Comets, but that was a trade the Condors had made. And so that was a little bit out of the K's hands, but I mean, you said it before. You this is three they got to get.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, uh, this is a really good opportunity on the road for the Comets to get some uh, some well some much needed points and to uh, hopefully get some, some get get ahead of the Kalamazoo Wings, who so they're just one point behind right now in the Central standings. And like like we said, this uh, Iowa Heartlanders team is uh, certainly a team that you can uh, get some points off of if you go into their building and play the type of hockey you're supposed to play. Yeah, their yeah. uh, comments currently have 36 points. The Kalamazoo Wings right ahead of them with 37. So mm. a good weekend could put them up ahead closer to the fourth or even the third position in the
2: central standings. Well, the other thing is is that uh, you don't want to let Uh, Cincinnati, and Toledo get too much further ahead of you because I think it's like 16 and 12-point differential right now between them and the Comets. And uh, these are teams, if the Comets can get back healthy, get the right combos up front on the blue line, get their power play back going, it could be a scary team to watch because there is a lot of talent it's putting that talent together and playing three periods of hockey from start to finish. And I think Justin Cohn yesterday was on and talked about, you know, the Comets have been severely, severely outscored in the first period.
3: Yeah, first periods have uh, really given oh. the Comets the doldrums all season. Um, and then you have to uh, dig yourself out of a hole yeah. for you know the rest of the that- second period, and then you're fighting in the third. And yeah. You, yeah. And you tire yourself out fighting to get that first. Uh, point back. Right, and you can't do that against teams like
2: Indy or Sensi or Toledo. They're just they're they're good hockey clubs that mm-hmm. know how to sit on the league. And you know, for these three games, you can catch our friend Shane Albarani with all the action on WOWO. These games will be an eight o'clock Fort Wayne face-off because Iowa is an hour behind us. So yep. Shane Alberani will have all the games, all the information for you. Here tonight for the game one from Iowa, where the Comets take on the Heartlanders tonight at 8:05. Talked earlier, big win for the Boilers last night, 75 to 70. They were just one and seven in the previous eight games up at Chrysler Arena last night with that win. Now they're two and nine, but right now the number one Boilers did what was expected of them. They went and got a road win at a tough barn. Zach Eady. Another good game. We'll talk a little bit about with Rob Blackman. Certainly, insight about Fletcher Lore and his performance for just a freshman. But we'll have Rob will give us a better insight here coming up in about oh, 15 minutes. Uh, he'll come on with us. Hey, now here's something that I wanted to talk about yesterday, and with everything that was kind of around us, we really couldn't dive into it real much. But Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. Two well-known personalities on Fox Sports—they, you know, have their own show—and we had Skip having a tweet during that Monday night game that uh, DeMar Hamlin had his incident in—and you have uh, Skip Bayless basically kind of devoid of Hamlin's safety in that regard, where he makes a tweet about there being no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how can they? This late in the season, the game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. And there was a ton of backlash on that tweet alone. That multitude of people were calling for Skip Bayless to be fired from his appearance on Fox Sports. Now, that didn't happen, of course, because he's come back and defended his position and really kind of apologized for his misspeaking at the time. And we all know what DeMar Hamlin uh, went through in that scenario. But it was really kind of one of those tweets that you just, I'm like, what is he thinking? I mean, really, the guy is, you know, you could tell even by the demeanor of the reporters and how ESPN basically went away from it. That um, this was a serious situation. It really... No one really cared if the game was played or not. Even, I mean, the players, coaches, anyone. But him for make that type of comment about how they, you know, there's no way they should cancel this game because of its importance. Well, look, in the game of life, there's always uh, things that you can come to an agreement on on how you handle it, which the NFL did. You yeah. gonna have to get into it, right? But, uh, you know, that then... You know Shannon Sharp, who was overly critical of his partner in crime, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Him the other night wants to fight Dylan Brooks <laughs> courtside at the Lakers Utah uh, Utah game. Yeah, and or Grizzlies Grizzlies. Yeah, I'm sorry, um, game and uh, Morant's father kind of got into it, but I don't not so sure how much that was. That's uh, Jay Morant's father. Job. Job, Murat's father. But anyway, here's Shannon Sharp. I know that he's a personality. He's got courtside seats. And I don't know what Dylan Brooks chirped at him
3: or it, how that all went. It apparently started because Shannon was chirping that Dylan Brooks was too small to guard LeBron James. Okay. And Dylan took exception to that. This and is like Spike Lee in New York. Yeah, and then after that, you know, Ja came over to talk, to you know, defend Dylan, and then, you know, right. and then his dad gets involved, and right. it becomes a whole thing. But here's the thing.
2: Hey, Shannon Sharp, I don't care, I mean, who you are or your personality on a, on a television show. He shouldn't be chirping anything at these players just from the standpoint as – Him being a media personality, these guys aren't going to take any lip from him. And he's got to be the bigger person in this situation. And he talks about it all the time and then, you know, about Skip. But they both look like, you know, complete. I cannot say it. (laughs) No. um, On the radio. But I'm not sure how you don't do something a little radical In that situation, I'm not saying fire them, but maybe suspend them a week or so, take
3: them off air. No. I I mean, all publicity is good publicity. Well,
2: I understand that, but here's the situation, and this is where I get – it burns me up a little bit at times. When you guys – when you have guys like these two making – doing commentary every single day, and at times – Maybe getting a little personal with some of their critiques, whether it be athletes or or organizations or things. And that, I understand, that's going to come with the territory. But for when you start, when you get outside that bubble, you need to be a fan and not say anything. And for Sharp to do what he did, all of a sudden it's about Shannon Sharp instead of the Lakers and Grizzlies. Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: And again, that got way blown out of proportion, but he's a, you know, I don't care what Dylan Brooks said to him. You know, if he had a problem with that, wait till after the ball game, address it with his, his uh, uh, intermediaries or whatever, but don't make a spectacle on the court and challenging the guy. And
3: yeah, it was all unnecessary,
2: all unnecessary, as was Bayless and Shannon Sharp for the most part is under control. Right? yeah, I know another blizzard upon us. But anyway. uh, Bayless, though, he he's had several, I think, over the years that have been quite questionable. But anyway, I had to get that kind of off my chest because it kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I was watching these uh, guys become the story when they should not be the story in that regard. We talked a little bit about the NFL playoffs on coming up here on Saturday. We got the Niners and Philadelphia Eagles with a Eagles having a last ice all two and a half point favorite, the Bengals at the Chiefs Sunday night. That's more or less a pick 'em or a Bengals plus one on the uh, betting lines uh, for these two ball games. And we talked a little bit. I say here's the other storyline that we kind of I kind of left out in that first hour when we were discussing this. The Bengals are basically playing with a makeshift offensive line, mm-hmm. and a tip of the hat to their O line coaches and those players, and that because all honesty, it is a makeshift offensive line. They really don't have the depth there. And now they're going into this championship game with the Chiefs. So, does that coupled with Mahomes' injury kind of even itself out when it comes to that game? I mean, you know, the Bengals being uh, a team that. Offensive line wise, may have some problems with the Chiefs and the Chiefs can, they can gang up on you and play man to man and get after the quarterback, which could be a problem for Barrows because I don't think the Chiefs can sit back and if they get up in the ball game and try to play a defensive game where they're trying to say, okay, we're going to keep everything in front of us because then I think Burrow could pick them apart a little bit. But the Colt or the Bengals offensive line is. In trouble, and when it comes to its depth uh, for this game, but for you know, it's kind of like the Brock Purdy story here. You got two dynamic, uh, you know, guys on the offensive line that have stepped up, stepped in, and Purdy and so forth and so on. So, with that being said, we're gonna get ready to welcome in our radio voice from the Purdue Boilers, Boilermakers, here in a few minutes. But before we do that, we're gonna step aside, take a break. We'll be right back here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Friday edition of the Sports Rush. Number one ranked Purdue Marlin Makers beat Michigan last night in Ann Arbor for the only the second time in the last nine games, 75 to 70. And joining us on the Masters in Heating. And cooling hotline to discuss this ball game is the radio voice of the Boilermakers, Mr. Rob Blackman. Rob, thanks for coming on the Sports Rush today. Glad to have you.
1: Shannon, thanks for the opportunity. Hope you're having a good Friday.
2: Well, you know, over here we're getting some more snow, which uh, <laughs> we're trying to figure out where it's coming from because, you know, weather, weather people right now are not too well-liked in some areas for their mispredictions of how much snow. But uh, we're doing okay over here in northeast Indiana, and I'm sure that the Boiler Faithful are feeling a lot better today having getting, having gotten by the Wolverines up there at Chrysler Arena
1: yeah you mentioned it uh when you brought me on there, shannon. It's been a difficult uh difficult place for Purdue to win, uh, mm-hmm. especially the last uh last eight to ten years um and i I hearken back to even last year's game when purdue uh didn't just lose but got blown out. It was the only game last year where Purdue was not in the game uh wasn't even close so uh and and it's not like Purdue had a bad team last year. Purdue was ranked third in the country when they went up there and got beat uh 82 to 58 last year so it was nice to to finally get those guys and um yeah you know it's been as matt painter said you know when he joined me on the pregame show yesterday uh there's a lot of factors for that uh the reason purdue has not had success up there as of late and the main factors are michigan has really good players and really good coaches so (laughs) anytime anytime you compete those guys you feel really good about it um and i know they didn't have jet howard last night who's obviously one of the better players and and certainly could have helped them, but uh, uh, Purdue's not going to make any, uh, any excuses for that win last night. We're just happy to win up there, and and the good thing about the you know not just winning the game, but it's the only regular season meeting between Purdue and Michigan this year. So uh, when you only have them once in your schedule, you you really want to beat them that one chance you get. So that mm-hmm. was a, that was a great win for Purdue.
2: Well, you said it. Uh, you know, this is what comes with being a number one ranked team. Uh, these are the games that. 99.9% of the country expects you to go in and win, no matter what maybe has happened in the past. And the Boilers did just that, 75 to 70. They now nine and one in the Big Ten. But you had a pretty good view of Zach Eady and Hunter Dick Dickinson last night. Eady had 19 points, nine boards. Dickinson had 21 points, seven rebounds. How was it watching those two inside go at it?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, and we mentioned it a couple times early in the broadcast because it felt like the first, oh, maybe eight or 10 possessions of that game. It, it really was a one-on-one battle between mm-hmm. Hunter and Zach. Uh, both coaches, uh, obviously their game plan was they were going to throw it inside to their guy. And why not? You want the hands of uh, the ball in the hands of your best player. And it just so happens that each team's best player was also guarding one another. So man, that was such a fun <laughs> battle. Um, you know, a little. It was it, the first half certainly played out a little bit differently than the second half uh, because the, the, you know the first half numbers. I think Zach had 15 and a half and, and four rebounds, if I'm remembering correctly, and I mm-hmm. think Hunter had 14 points, five rebounds at halftime. So both guys did the majority of their scoring in the first half, um, and then both teams got some you know got some great contributions from some other guys in the second half. So those two didn't have to be quite as involved offensively, but. Yeah, those first, uh, I don't know, seven, eight, nine possessions of the game where it was literally a one-on-one game, you, you could have taken the other eight players off the floor and no one would have even noticed because yeah. everyone's attention uh, was on Zach. Uh, and and I I thought the way the game started was, was perfect. I mean, Zach produced first possession, uh, Zach Eady with a left-handed layup against Dickinson where he got great low post position, and then we came to the other end and Dickinson made a three against Zach. I mean, that's right. how the game started. So <laughs> yeah, it was... was just. Setting the table for, for what
2: was to come. <laughs> it was they both threw down the gauntlet from the start there. And, you know, one thing that I had, you know, had watched Matt Painter, I think, the day before, you know, kind of making um, lobbying a little bit about Zach and the non-foul calls that have been happening against him, per se. And then last night, it looked like Dickinson was getting some of these phantom calls that <laughs> I'm not sure were fouls. I mean, did yeah. you did you kind of uh, see that that way as well?
1: Well, what I uh, what I saw, Shannon, is Zach Eady for one of the few opportunities in the in the regular season, and it sounds crazy to say this because you play in the Big Ten, but really for one of the few opportunities all season, Zach gets to play against a guy his size, mm-hmm. um, which normally results in less fouls uh, when you think about it. Typically Zach Eady gets fouled a lot because he's going against guys that are, you know, six foot nine or smaller. And it's really about all they have, uh, as far as trying to defend him is just foul the heck out of them and hope the officials get tired of calling fouls. <laughs> right. um, so that's not the case with Dickinson. Dickinson's a big, obviously he's seven one. He's skilled, athletic. Uh, he doesn't have to foul. Um, so he could just play Zach straight up. So I thought last night that game was actually officiated pretty well. I mean, there, there are always going to be calls that are missed in the game, but as far as Zach, uh, especially offensively, one of the few games where he wasn't fouled that often. And mm-hmm. and, I, and I I don't think he was fouled. Again, he finally had a chance to play against a guy his size, so a guy didn't have to foul him. Right. All the time. So that's probably, from a physical standpoint, Zach probably enjoyed that game more than any other game he's played all year just because he had a guy his own size that he could go against.
2: Right. And, you know, Michigan defensively kind of mixed it up here and there, you know, jumping in and out of some zone. And then, you know, like you said, playing a pretty good aggressive man-to-man but you know the last night the kid that keeps on impressing me is their local product and you know you got caleb first there as well sophomore from blackhawk christian but caleb uh uh fletcher lawyer had 17 points last night freshman from homestead here in town and man what of a game he had last night
1: yeah and boy the one thing that he's really i think surprised a lot of folks with shannon is his ability to score at all three levels. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knew coming in, at least from a Purdue standpoint. Now, folks at Homestead, they might have already known this, but from a Purdue standpoint, I think the uh, the narrative on him was a was a three point shooter, and that's what he was going to be, uh, more like a Ryan Klein or a Ryan Smith of days gone by at Purdue, uh, which he's proven to be much more than that. I mean, his ability to drive the ball and get to the basket, uh, to shoot the the pull up. 12 and 15 footer to shoot the floater. You know, he made a floater last yes, night he did. and he's not, uh, but he's, he's not physically imposing. Like when you look at him, uh, he, he looks like a college freshman, still a little mm-hmm. skinny, still has a little baby face to him. He just doesn't look like a guy that should be able to do those things, uh, at, at the division one college big 10 level. But man, is he a, such a skilled offensive player uh-huh. offensively? Um, and and you know it's we also talked about this on a broadcast i know he finished up his high school career at homestead but remember he started up in clarkston michigan mm-hmm. uh so he does you know a lot of friends and family from that from that area and he uh, it seems like at least in the first two opportunities he's had to play the michigan schools michigan state and michigan uh, it's it's like he's uh, he's he won he has something to prove against those guys so mm-hmm. but man yeah was he uh boy is he he's He's been even better than advertised, and what a what a luxury it's been to have him on our team.
2: Well, he's a special kid, and you know you're absolutely right. You know, first couple of years, uh, you know, when he was at Homestead, he kind of went about his business in a quiet way, and then you look at the line scores, and he's got 20, 25, and all of a sudden he's kind of the the been the go-to guy for them, making some critical shots as they went on, and I think that's what Purdue's now seeing is, you know he just handles his business he plays hard you know he's got that basketball blood in him i guess you could say from his dad and but uh i was thoroughly impressed with his effort last night in such a big game that's you know that to me shows you right there that he's got that it factor i should say
1: well and the fort wayne folks know this but he averaged 27 a game as a senior last year so you know, you you think about high school basketball where the game is only 32 minutes long to begin with. If you're averaging mm-hmm. 27 in a 32 minute game, right. you're, you're a pretty good player offensively. But yeah, again, the, the biggest again, I'm just from a, from a Purdue fan standpoint, then that he is not just a he's not a one trick pony. He's not just a three point shooter. He can score at all three levels, and he's actually a very accomplished passer. You know, he has a you know, roughly a three-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, right. He's a very good passer, and and he doesn't turn the ball over. So he is, from an offensive standpoint, he's about as good as it comes for a true freshman. Well,
2: uh, he's going to be good good leader on the court for years to come, and run the show for Matt Paynard And uh, it's good to see local kids do well. You know, one other thing is, you know, last night from the foul line, that was kind of the big differential. Purdue was 80 percent at the end of the ball game, and uh, Michigan was only 64. And in a five-point game, you can kind of see that played to be a big part of that ball game last night.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that Purdue went 16-20 at the free-throw line. And, uh, and and they boy, those free throws late in that game, one-and-ones. Uh, uh, let's not forget that those are those are tricky, making those one-and-ones. Right. You're not quite as comfortable as you are in a two-shot free throw. But uh, Brandon Newman obviously had the biggest two of all there, those last two, with just over five seconds to play. But that's been uh, that's really been a constant theme for Purdue at the free throw line in the last uh, six, maybe seven games here, all Big Ten games. Uh, Purdue's uh, team free throw percentage has been around 82, 83 percent, which is an exceptional uh, number for a team. Um, and I, I also, I'm, as we're talking, I'm thinking about the game last night, and it, I'm reminded of myself that uh, that Zach Eadie missed an early free throw, very yeah. early in the game. So there was one of your misses. I mean, basically two minutes into the game. so but yeah I don't know uh, what's gotten into Purdue here since the conference season has started, but as a team they've been a very good free throw shooting team.
2: Well and you have to in this time of year as well and you've got Michigan State coming up on Sunday and then the big in season battle with IU on Wednesday night and Rob, I really appreciate you taking some time here today to join us here on the sports rush. Best of luck to you and the Boilers here in the next couple days, and uh, hopefully the weather stays out of the equation
1: for people to get to and from games. I uh, will have our fingers crossed on that, Shannon. Thank you for having me.
2: <laughs> yes, that's Rob Blackman, the radio voice of the Purdue Boilermakers basketball team. Big win over Michigan last night, 75-70. to 70. We're going to step aside on the sports rush on 1380, the fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on Friday. One more day and we're into the weekend. And uh, we missed him yesterday on the Sports Rush because his boss, I could say, kind of stepped in and took over for him for uh, Parview Sports Medicine. But uh, we need to bring in Mr. Eric Dut today joining us on the Masters Heating, Cooling, and Hotline so we can get the top five boys and the top five girls basketball before we head out to Homestead and the big game between Homestead and Northrop, both girls and boys. Caleb Hatch is in, awaiting for us to send it to him. But, dude, how you doing, my man?
0: I'm doing good. been a busy couple of days around uh, PSM and uh, good to be on here with you a little bit later than normal. But uh, I think... Tommy held down the fort pretty good last yesterday, and uh, glad to be here with you. Last well, not, almost basically the last night of the regular season, so it should be should be a fun one again tonight uh, with all the high school basketball around the area.
2: Yep, and you know we're with the game tonight. We're going to cut away a little bit earlier than normal, but we wanted to get the top five on both sides of the of the aisle. But let's start off with the top five girls coming in at number five this week, dude.
0: Yeah, we'll go ahead and start with the girls' team. Number five, uh, cracking the poll for the first time this year. We go up north to the Angola Hornets. Yeah. You know, this is a really interesting team here. This is a team that has won three straight. Um, they're 11-10 and 10 overall, 7-3 and 3 in the NECC. But how about this? Six-1 and one, since we turned the calendar to 2023. They were 5-9. and nine. In 2022 so they finished their regular season finale their game against belmont was canceled on wednesday uh now they head into the sectionals with Car- kylie carswell averaging 13 points a game macy overland 10 points uh really nice end of the season for angola they check in at number five this week
2: all righty let's go on to number four
0: number four we have find the snyder panthers here's a team that's 17 and 4, 6 and 1 in the SAC. Still have an opportunity to clinch a share of the SAC tonight with just, if they win and Homestead wins, then, uh, we have a three-way tie across the top of the SAC. But four straight wins, 13 in the last, 14 for Snyder, uh, really have just looked really good all season after kind of a slow start. Um, and a nut- more big wins over the week with Northridge, Concordia, and DeKalb. Now they've faced up. They get a bye in the sectionals. Uh, Jordan Poole and Jenea Donahue have definitely led that Lady Panther squad at number four.
2: And then uh, number three for the girls this week, who we got on the third uh, three spot?
0: Number three, we find the Warsaw Lady Tigers for the very first time this season. You know, a little on the outskirts of the 1380 listening area, but a team that just clinched back-to-back northern lakes conference Championship. they're 14 and 0 in conference the last two years with 17 straight dating back to 2021 this is their first repeat of the conference title uh since 2003 and 2004 um really a solid team and check this out three girls averaging more than 12 points a game a sophomore in brook winchester a freshman in Brooke Zartman, and freshman in jocelyn bricker so that team is going to be good for the next couple of years to come so watch out for those warsaw lady tigers as they're in the concord sectional next week
2: yeah um, always warsaw always has some good products over there how about at the number two spot for the girls
0: number two we head back to the sac and find the Carroll lady chargers i tell you this Carroll team is it's maybe the team to watch in this in this postseason coming into sectionals there's six straight wins sitting at 14 and 6, so they were 8 and 6 just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, 6 and 2 in the SAC can can wrap it up tonight at 7 and 2, just behind the leaders. Um, but you know they big win over Penn over earlier the last Saturday. They beat Northside and Southside in the last week. Big wins all year long, and now they're going to face Northrop in the first round next Tuesday. That's going to be an exciting matchup. Maybe you know one of the top first round matchups. Three and double figures for them, Taylor Fordyce, Keila Gibbs, and Jersey Paul. I really like this Carroll Lady Chargers team.
2: And occupying the number one spot for the girls this week, dude.
0: Number one on our poll is the Columbia City Lady Eagles. I tell you, 19-2, 6-0 in the NEA. They can win their back-to-back NEA title uh, tonight. Uh, uh and and a big win over Northrop on Tuesday. They, you know, a top-ten battle in Class 4A. Winning on the road against that Northrop team was really impressive. Molly Baker with the go-ahead basket with just 30 seconds left, and then uh, free throws down the stretch to hold on. A six-game winning streak, and, you know, here again, they're going to play Homestead in the first round of sectionals. you got a top-ten matchup. In the Huntington North sectional in Class 4A on Tuesday. Uh, it's crazy how those ping-pong balls fly, but uh, Columbia City, one of the top teams all area in our area all season long, finding the number one girl spot this week in the top five poll.
2: Pretty good. Top five there and my adopted hometown of Columbia City representing. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's switch over to the boys now. Coming in at number five on the boys poll this week.
0: Yeah, well, look at the boys. Number five, we got the Adam Central Flying Jets. What a second half of the season it's been for AC. Nine straight wins after a one and four start. They're sitting at 10 and four, three and one in the AC. AC averaging 60 points a game. Uh, wins over Eastbrook and number 13 Manchester last week. A big one tonight for them as they face Heritage. Heritage is leading the conference. Uh, and, and this could really help decide the ACAC down the stretch. A lot of games yet to be played, but a big one tonight uh, for them. Fremont on Tuesday, Leo on Thursday. Uh, this Adam Central team is starting to put it all together uh, and winning uh, in the small ball game. Number five, Adam Central. And at number four this week for the boys, number four, the Norwell Knights. A team we see week in and week out, like we talked about. I mean, just you know, really quietly going about their business when you think about it. 14 and 2, 4 and 8 in the NEA. They got a big 4 and 0, I should say, in the NEA. They got a big win at New Haven on Saturday to give themselves sole possession, or they're tied with Columbia City, excuse me. 70.4 points per game, one of the top scoring offenses, led of course by Luke McBride. Uh, who is now second all-time in Norwell history and second all-time in any eighth scoring history. Uh, congrats to him on all his accomplishments as he continues to move up the charts. And now we find Norwell moving up to number four in our newest poll this week.
2: Pretty good sports teams this year out of Norwell. Number three for the boys this
0: week. Number three, the Homestead Spartans. Yeah. You know, 14 and 4. More importantly, 5 and 0 oh now in the SAC. They are in sole possession of the SAC lead after beating Northside last Friday uh, at Spartan Stadium, Spartan Arena. Uh, they beat Columbia City uh, a couple of weeks back. They did lose to Lawrence North on Saturday, but that's one of those top good teams. They're at Northrop tonight, uh, trying to hold the possession of that SAC lead. Uh, you know, they're doing it with defense too giving up like 47 points per game. They've looked really good. Homestead, number three this week on the poll.
2: Sparty's at three. Let's head on to number two in the boys this week.
0: Number two, we say welcome to the Heritage Patriots. You know, that's what's crazy about this time of year. You start to get these teams in there that we haven't seen all year. Heritage, nine and five, but three and oh, first place in the ACAC. Why is that? The huge overtime win over rival Woodland last Friday. If you've seen the video on Twitter, Luke Saylor's buzzer beater near mid court of Sherry Gilbert Court. They also beat Eastside on Saturday at an un- unconference an out-of-conference game. They've won three of their last four. Again, the big one with Adam Central tonight. They lost 43-36 in the ACAC semis. They're looking to come back. Luke Saylor, like I mentioned, the school record holder, congratulations to him now as he goes down in the Patriot record books.
2: And finishing off the top five, number one this week for the boys.
0: Yes, uh, this may be somewhat of a surprise, but it is. Remember, this is not a power poll, but we find number one, the Bishop Dwenger Saints. Yeah. I tell you, this team has kind of come out of a obscurity. You know, they have won now two straight wins, won three of their last four. They get a big upset road win at 2A, number two, Blackhawk Christian on Tuesday. They're sitting at 4-10. and 10. They've won three of their last four. So they started one and nine. This is a team that's, uh, you know, starting to peak maybe a little bit um, and they get two straight wins, one in conference. So they got their first SAC win over the day. How about uh, Ross, the player with 15 points and 13 rebounds uh, against Blackhawk Christian. So, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, a, a, a team that is trying to find its mojo. I think it's got some momentum. This swinger team, uh, pretty good. We all know what Matt Kostoff teams can do come tournament time. So start to put your eye on the Bishop Dwenger Saints.
2: Yeah, another great top five poll for both boys and girls. we got coming up tonight the Homestead Spartans and the Northrop Bruins. Doubleheader, girls and boys, Caleb Hatch, we will join as soon as we are done here. We'll have the call and then the post game show with Dute and Michael McIntyre. From the Pine Valley Pizza Hut. If you got time, come on out. Say yeah. so, say hello. Uh, I'm, they may have some swag out there. I don't know. You got any swag? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we'll have to see uh, whatever, my, whatever Mac brings is what we, you know, so we'll, we'll see. But yeah, a lot of exciting uh, conference matchups tonight. The SAC will be decided tonight. The NE8 will be decided tonight. I think ACAC AC is already wrapped up on the girls' side, and, and NECC will be wrapped up tonight as well. So, You know, a lot of important games, especially when you look next Tuesday, start sectionals with some more big matchups because we don't seed it in Indiana and we don't, we let everybody in and we do ping pong balls, so they say. So it should be exciting times. This is what uh, basketball means in indiana tonight and leading into next week with the start of sectional
2: well all you have to do is look outside and it usually can tell you that we're getting ready for sectional (laughs) basketball tourneys to start as the snow flies from the 1380 studios out here on the southeast side of fort wayne dude thanks for joining us today and uh we'll look forward to hearing you tonight from the pine valley pizza hut with mac
0: sounds good we'll see everybody later have a great night drive safely out there
2: That's Eric Dukovic from Parkview Sports Medicine. We're going to step aside. We'll be right back here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush Friday edition here. We're getting ready to send it out to Northrop as the Northrop Lady Bruins are getting ready to take on the Homestead Lady Spartans in a girls basketball contest. Caleb Hatch will be there uh, to call the game, but a quick-breaking news item from the Fort Wayne Comets. Josh Winquist appears to be heading overseas as he has been suspended from the team and removed from the roster. Heartbreaking one to lose as he was one of their top scorers, but it looks like Winquist is heading overseas. But I'll give you a little bit of hope. Marcus McIver is being activated off IR Good to have him back in the lineup. Sad that we're losing Winquist, but time to rally around the boys and get it going out in Iowa. Shane Alberati, 8.05 on WoWo will have the call. High school game of the week up next here on 1380 The Fan. Purdue-Fort Wayne versus Cleveland State, 6.45 on the stream. It's been fun two days with you, my man, Adam Lundy. Thank you. Hello again to my parents who are listening in. Everyone have a safe and enjoyable weekend. Brett Rump will be back here Monday for the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. Have a good Friday evening.